The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2645. Lampanacho is the eighth installment of Star Wars Visions, and we're going to talk about that episode today, along with some insights from the Filmmaker Focus featurette. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So Lapanacho is that eighth installment as I mentioned and as with previous discussions here on the podcast about Star Wars Visions episodes, we're going to focus on five top takeaways of the episode and yes we will get into a little spoilery territory but as usual you know not major spoilers necessarily but yeah some so there's your fair warning so we'll start with the unlikely influence of jackson the six foot tall green rabbit character who first appeared in the marvel comics way back in the 1970s and has since been brought back into the canon they were talking about the possibility of creating a rabbit-like species character in this particular short and thankfully somebody within the studio that put this one together had enough of the deep lore background to know oh yeah there's definitely <laughs> such a thing as lepus carnivorous which is the type of species Jackson is and so they imagined Lop the main character or one of the main characters of this particular short as being from that particular species just you know a different you know version of that kind of character and it's one thing to hear about how the directors and animators have talked about the influence that Star Wars had on them and most of the time these discussions in the filmmakers focus featurettes have been about the movies and in particular A New Hope but here's a case where some influence was drawn directly from the comics and from this unusual character so I thought that was particularly remarkable. Now a second takeaway I wanted to share has to do with how the force is treated and how your lightsaber use is treated here in this particular story. So the family into which Lop is adopted has a very long history it seems and hundreds of years previously a Jedi had come to their planet and before that Jedi passed on that Jedi trained the ancestor of their family in how to be a Jedi. So presumably there was someone who was force sensitive and who could be trained as a Jedi, as a force user in the line of these characters, specifically the Yasaburo family. And the way it's presented, it basically makes it seem like, all right, so here's a situation where the force is strong in the family and that ability has possibly 
passed down through the generations. We don't really see Boss Yasaburo, who is the father of Ocho biologically and the father of Lop adoptively. Uh, we don't necessarily see him demonstrate force abilities. Like certainly there's impressive fighting skills, but nothing that really screams force use, except in the way that he makes a you know sort of light show ceremonial thing happen around the presentation of the family lightsaber and giving it to Lop. And yet when push comes to shove in the climactic fight, it's definitely very clear that Lop is able to use the force, but it's not necessarily clear that Acho is able to use the force. Certainly Acho's fighting technique is you know, very strong and very dynamic, but there are no obvious force usage moments in the way that there is for Lop, who is able to you know, reach out and telekinetically pull something to her. But we don't know anything about Lop's origins and whether the force runs strong in her family. And there's no acknowledgement necessarily by Boss Yasaburo to say that, hey, I actually sense the force in you. It's more about Lop being a natural inheritor of the tradition of the family and the passing on of the lightsaber and that she is the right person to whom it should be passed. And it kind of put me in mind of The Rise of Skywalker to some degree. I mean, it's not a clean parallel, but you know, you have Rey who had an inheritance into the Force and you have Lop who may or may not have an inheritance in the Force, but the way that we know the Force works is that there is something in the blood. And so, whereas Lop was adopted by the Yasaburo family, we don't know whether you know, Lop's origins, her biological family, had Force-sensitive people in it, but it seems like that ought to be the case. Just like Rey had Force-sensitive parents or you know something somewhere in the line, right? And yet, Rey obviously chose to identify herself with the Skywalker family. Lop, under different circumstances, identifies herself with the Yasaburo family. And ultimately, both characters, as they realize their force potential, are doing so under the alignment of an adoptive family. Okay, here's our third top takeaway, and it has to do with the very significant acts that Acho takes when she commits to the Empire, and the filmmakers describe it as a way of her going to the dark side. So I don't know if this is necessarily an indicator that yes, she has force sensitivity of her own, or if it's just simply a broader idea of going from the good to the evil. That being said, there are two particular actions that Acho takes in this scene. One of them is biting her thumb and using the blood to smear the red color on the outsides of her eyes, and she also cuts off her ponytail and gives it to Lop. So here's what the deal is with those two actions. As far as the ponytail thing goes, from the... <laughs> <laughs> from the wonderful trustworthy source that is the internet. What I'm gathering is that, particularly in anime, this is a way that filmmakers symbolize transitions, right? The ending of one thing and the beginning of another thing. And so this is supposed to be a dramatic representation of Acho leaving behind the Yasaburo family and joining a new family, as it were, the Galactic Empire. That is how I'm given to understand it at least, but if there is a better, more accurate way to understand that, then by all means, let me know. I would love to hear it wherever you see a comment section around this episode of the show or at home base for the show at sw7x7.com. 
As for the red blood slash paint on the outside of the eyes, well, I feel a little more confident in this one because this is coming from a you know, website associated with the Smithsonian Institution. And that situation seems to have to do with geisha tradition in Japan, and in particular, the sort of trainee aspect of it. Um, pardon me for the pronunciation, but Maiko, M-A-I-K-O, and that is basically a geisha in training. And so, in this particular case, what it would seem to signify is that Ocho is taking on a trainee type of position within the Empire. She's signifying that she is coming into the Empire as somebody who is new to the organization and is going to start working on redevelopment projects as advertised by the Imperial officer who recruits her. Okay, moving on to the fourth takeaway, which is the continuation takeaway that we've talked about on previous episodes. So this is a very self-contained story in one sense, but in another sense, there absolutely is more to tell about the story. And I think the filmmakers talk about it more than the story itself actually implies. Like the ending is such that Lop and Acho are not resolved. Like they will continue to be antagonists. And yeah, uh, that's not how ultimately the filmmakers think it's going to end up. They actually are saying that the resolution of the story is probably that Lop is going to continue trying to reconcile with Acho and that one day they will be successful, that they will reconcile as sisters, but it's going to take you know, another story to tell it. And yet it doesn't necessarily seem like this one somehow is primed for the telling. I don't know. I just, I, when I watched it, it was complete and whole in and of itself, and yet certainly offered the opportunity to continue to tell the story. But I think the filmmakers actually already have a sense of how they think things are going to end. So wouldn't it be fun to see that in a sort of trilogy fashion, as it were? So let's see a second episode where La Panacho try to reconcile again, but it's going to be made difficult because <laughs> the way this first one ended for sure. And you'll probably need a third installment. So we were talking about season two of Star Wars Vision. So Heck, let's talk about season three. Maybe a season three if this is successful enough? Hmm, sounds like fun. And our last takeaway has to do with the placement. If you were to place it, even though we can't necessarily place it, but if you were to consider placing this within the canon timeline, I think once again, we're in a situation where we would be closer to the events of A New Hope than we would be the events of Revenge of the Sith. And the reason why I say that is because the planet Tau, and I feel like it should be Tao, but maybe it's Tao. Maybe I'm messing up pronunciation once again. <sighs> it wouldn't be the first time on this show. Anyway, um, the planet welcomed the Empire to help it modernize, basically. But the Empire, of course, did that in an entirely unpleasant way, which was riling up the residents of the planet. And so that is what starts the drama with the Yasaburo family and so on and so forth. That being said, there is a moment where when Lop is initially adopted into the family, they cut to a new scene and it says seven years later. So it's 19 years in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So you'd need, you know, nine and a half <laughs> to be able to get past the halfway point. We don't know how long it's been since the Galactic Empire was founded that they first started setting up shop 
on the planet. So, you know, that's a little sketchy, but seven years later, that jump ahead, it really does seem like the likely situation is that we're closer to a new hope, but possibly, you know, not that close to it. Like we might not necessarily be in Star Wars Rebels territory, but we're probably past Solo A Star Wars Story territory. That's what I would guess. And that's what I've got for you about Lop and Acho, which is the eighth and penultimate installment in Star Wars Visions Season 1. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.